Please stand for the reading of the word. Our reading this morning is um, Ephesians 6, 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Um, just looking at, I was looking at our logo, which was kind of designed for summertime, and, uh, but then our name, Sacred Mission Church, uh, you know, what's behind our name is, is just a simple reality, a powerful reality, but a simple reality, which is that us in this room, this isn't our mission, so to speak. Like, we didn't come up with what's happening right now. Um, we actually believe that Jesus is alive and well. He made us. He made this place. He designed us for his flourishing, to live on him, to live for him, and believing. So Jesus even told us that he will build his church. He won't send a memo. He won't send out kind of how to do it. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so just wanted to kind of share, um, if you're visiting too, that our heart is just to re realize that Jesus himself is on a sacred mission for the people of rural central Iowa, and we get the privilege of joining him in that. And uh, that sacred mission, that's Collins Christian Church, uh, we're, we're all able to lock arms and to be on a sacred mission with Jesus. And so I don't believe it's an accident that any of us are in here uh, because our, our Lord is, uh, is wise and good and, and he draws us. And so I think it's purposeful that each of us are in here and not just to gather, to sing, but to hear him speak to us. And so, so Lord, this is our heart this morning is that we wouldn't just come into a lunchroom and uh, play church, but instead that we would come into this place and have you transform this space into a sanctuary of your presence, that you would be the one that's speaking to us, that we would be hearing from you, that as we write down notes, these are things that you are communicating to us for our good and for your glory. And Lord, would you have your way in this place today, would you have your way in kids' church, and, uh, and as, as the gospel is being proclaimed to them, we pray that their hearts would come alive, and that they would worship you forever, and that would be true for us in this place too. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Um, we've been going through the book of Ephesians, and if, if you're new, to, new in here, or you don't have one yet, we've got these little scripture journal things, which is just the book of Ephesians with a blank page in between, and uh, some of you aren't comfortable maybe writing in your Bible, but man, you could mark that up. Uh, if the, you feel like the Lord is communicating things, uh, write that down. A lot of times, you know, we'll watch maybe a couple football games today, and then you'll go to bed and maybe forget what the Lord was talking to you about this morning. So it's a good way to, to record that as we're trusting that, uh, that he has us in here to hear from these things. And um, we are in chapter six of Ephesians. Ephesians is only six chapters long. I have a commentary that's written by a scholar on the book of Ephesians, a guy that uh, uh, was a mentor of mine in seminary. So the book of Ephesians is six chapters long. This commentary is 950 pages. He wrote 950 pages on 
a book of the Bible that's one of the shortest books of the Bible. <laughs> and uh, so that is as much content. It's like concentrated orange juice. Uh, it is powerful. It packs a big punch. And uh, we're able now uh, to move into chapter 6. And in only six chapters, which I think is amazing, is God seems fit to share instructions to children. Okay, this is an amazing thing about this chapter and, and chapter 6 that we're stepping into. It's speaking to children, God's heart towards children. And whenever he commands anything in Scripture, so God is going to be commanding children to do something today, and whenever he does it, he's doing that for our good and for his glory. What does it mean for his glory? One thing it means is it pleases him. God is going to say, hey, I care about kids down to the level that I want them to live in a way that is good for them and pleases me. Like, that's not a faraway God that is annoyed by our prayers. This is an intimate God that cares about the behavior of every child in our community, every child in this room. Uh, and God made us. He made us to start, for all of us, He designed it so that we would start the first substantial chunk of our lives as children. So no one in here is like, kids, ah. It's like, you were a kid. <laughs> and uh, some of you are a kid in this place. We all uh, walk down that season, and he cares about that season. He desires for all of us to flourish in that season. He knows how each child should flourish in our community, and, uh, and we need to hear this. And what's crazy is that God doesn't set the bar low. We shouldn't set the bar low. God actually sets the bar high for kids. And that should be a heart of us in this community and in this church is setting a bar high for kids. So as we go into Ephesians 6, it's the hope for every parent in this room that will be taught by our God how to walk this out, how to walk into this mission and this vision for parenting that is greater than we currently have. Okay, I'm hoping I'm a better parent walking out this door today than when I walked in. Those of you who are desiring to have kids, those of you who maybe are called to a life of singleness, this is something for all of us to look and see what God's design is and to pray into this, to speak into this, to encourage into this, into Ephesians 6. So Lord, teach us as we look at verse 1 of chapter 6. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Take note, children can obey. <laughs> okay, like just, our God is not trying to mess with us. He's not trying to mess with us. He calls us to do things that are going to be challenging, could even be impossible in our strength but possible. He, and even John 15, Jesus says that abide in me and I in you, apart from me you can do nothing, which means in him we can do anything that he calls us to do. And what he calls children to do is to obey your parents. We should expect the kids of our church, we should expect the kids of our community, we should expect that they are able to fulfill this commandment of God to obey your children. Children, children, obey your, to obey your parents. Children, obey your parents. Uh, there have been terrible things 
uh, and this is, Patty spoke into this a little bit, there have been many terrible things parents have done to children. There have been many terrible things that parents have done to children. For that, ultimately, truly, for that, justice belongs to the Lord. Justice belongs to the Lord. No parents are perfect. Some parents, however, are not raising their kids in the Lord. See that? Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Meaning that the way of God, the way that God designed parents to lead children in His way is so broken in some situations that they are raising their kids outside of the Lord outside of any way that God had designed for this thing to happen, okay? So at, at this point, um, what does this mean for these kids? It still means children obey your parents in the Lord. But here's the thing, if obedience means sin, if obedience of a child to a parent means that it's going to bring them harm, if obedience means that they're going to be doing something against the commands of God, then they should refrain from following them. They should obey their God over obeying their parents, okay? But that same child then does not throw out everything. They seek in every opportunity to obey their parents outside of those areas where they need to obey their God over their parents, okay? Because that, that will apply to some in our community, to obey your parents in the Lord, though, also means that parents are asking them to do things that the Lord would want them to do, right? So if it's just like, hey, you need to obey me because I said so. And I mean, I pull that out once in a while because that's all I've got, right? It's like, obey because I said so. And even in that, because I said so, hopefully is in the direction of the Lord, Right? And the, I said so, if it's not in the direction of the Lord, but for me even, approaching my children, having my, my children obey their parents in the Lord, my hope is that I am walking towards the Lord in knowing what to call them into. And if I don't know the Lord, I must know Him to be able to live this out, okay? Having children knowing Him, growing in Him, a child is learning to obey that their parents are learning the consequences. Here's a, if our kids do not know how to obey us, our kids may not know how to obey their God. If a child doesn't learn how to obey the parents, if a child doesn't experience the health of following the leadership of their parents, there are even songs that you can listen to where it's like, we want parents, <laughs> like we want the boundary. We want the safety of having that obedience to be called into. Look at the way that Jesus communicates this in John 14, 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Isn't that beautiful? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I grew up thinking that my God was asking me to do things because he didn't want my best. I had this view of God that was like, man, I think I'd have a lot of fun in this life if he wasn't there. And so I started just running as far as I could in a direction that I thought was going to bring me a lot of joy, and I just fell into it totally empty. I found that there was no 
happiness there, things that I thought, movies I was watching, I was like, man, they look happy. Let me try to do the things they're doing. And it led me nowhere. And Jesus says, hey, if you love me, you'll actually keep my commandments. And then he goes a step further in 1 John 5, 1 through 3. You can jot these down. Uh, they'd be very much worth meditating on later. 1 John 5, 1 through 3 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. Look at this. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. It's actually life-giving. It's freeing. It feels light to actually follow and obey our Savior. And kids are learning this in an early age of when they are obeying their parents. This is right. This is freeing. This is not burdensome. Their flesh will want to go that way, but God is saying, if you follow me, you're going to find life. And this is not going to be burdensome. Uh, then you see how uh, verse 1 ends. This is right. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Man, <laughs> we just live in a culture of fake news, unfortunately, right? And if the news isn't fake, you wonder if it is fake, right? You're just like not sure. And even with the weather, I'm like not sure what it's going to be like. We're in a culture of, of strong political correctness, where to even proclaim truths about Jesus seems like there's something wrong with that. And, and it shouldn't be that way. We're, we're in a culture where obedience to anything outside of yourself seems restrictive, right? And Jesus himself is like, this is right. I mean, that's like, that is freeing for him to say like, children, obey your parents in the Lord, that is right. If anyone ever says that's wrong, the word himself has spoken and said, this is right. This is the way it should be. How, how right is it? Well, he then goes into verse 2, which is quoting from the Ten Commandments, which were spoken 1,500 years before Ephesians. In the Fifth Commandment, rewritten here in verse 2, we read, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. So it's the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments, but it's the first commandment that has a promise that's attached to it in the list of commandments. And the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. The concepts of obeying in verse 1 and honoring are very similar, since parents are dishonored when children don't obey. Parents are dishonored when children don't obey, and the Lord is dishonored when we don't obey Him. These promises are meant to be taken as principles and not absolutes, because there are some children who do obey their children, who obey their parents, who honor their father and mother, and end up having a hard life or dying tragically young. So here it's generally observed, this is how the Proverbs are as well, generally observe that as we go this direction, this is what we see, is that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. 
Um, man, when parents are dishonored by children, uh, we could read in the reverse that it ends up going bad for them and the child doesn't live long in the land. Uh, when a child doesn't honor his parents, the relationship is broken. This can lead to so many obstacles. Uh, parents can even try to sabotage their kids and the advancement of their kids. I've, I've known stories of this. Um, or a parent may not sacrifice and help provide for their education if that relationship is fractured. It's a blessing for parents to help with the purchase of a first home. Uh, many are able to do that. Some aren't, but, but there are things where when there's a healthy, non-fractured relationship, uh, parents are able to give wisdom in those moments of major decisions in life. In a healthy relationship, we learn in Proverbs, that's beautiful for an inheritance to be left to children. That's a beautiful thing, allowing children to live long in the land. Literally, in rural Iowa, like to have a non-broken relationship with parents will allow many people to live here for a long time. When that relationship is broken, uh, there, there's another path that uh, does not allow people to live long in the land. Uh, we see this in one of Jesus' most famous parables of the prodigal son. If you have read it, if you haven't read it, I would encourage you. Tim Keller is an author who has a great book called Prodigal God that just goes into this one section. It's, it's worth getting on Amazon and reading. But in this parable, what this younger brother does is he goes up to his dad and he says, his dad is fine. His dad is not sick. And he's like, I want my inheritance right now. I mean, imagine if your kid asks you for that, or you ask your parent for that, I want my inheritance right now. Well, think of assets you'd have to sell to make liquid to be able to give that type of money. Like, you can't just be like, okay, here you go. You take that tractor, you know, like, I mean, it's a great sacrifice, and it's embarrassing, it's humiliating, and it's greatly dishonoring to have a younger son come up and say, I want my inheritance right now. The father does it. The father figures out a way to get the money to the son, and the son takes it and runs. The son goes uh, far off. He spends all the money partying. He has tons of friends around him that want to get in on it and ride that wave. But it's not long until the money runs out. It's not long until he's actually fighting with pigs to try to get something to eat. I mean, that is not going well with him. <laughs> right? Because of dishonoring his parents. And he comes to the place where he wonders, he knows that he could never just walk back as a son. But he's like, you know what? My dad's hired hands. They get treated way better than I'm getting treated right now. Maybe I can crawl back and maybe figure out if I could work for him and just survive that way. Ephesians 6.2 is pleading with children to be kept from that type of pain pleading with them to, instead of spending a lifetime with that possible fractured relationship, instead obey your parents, honor your mother, honor your father. After what we heard last week in Ephesians 5 on marriage and how much even a, a two-thirds of that is focused on the husbands and how the husbands are, are called to love their wives as Christ loved the church and the authority and the responsibility that God places on husbands it's not a surprise that then where this takes us in parenting is to only talk to the dads. It's fascinating. Verse 4 is just talking to the dads. Look at verse 4. 
Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Mothers, uh, mothers have a huge impact on their children. Uh, mothers can really mess up their children. Mothers can really bless their children. But it does seem that a father can do maybe the most harm to children. Now, what makes me say that? Well, even in counseling, I've been in a room with other guys who are having a professional guy lead us through some stuff, and in a room where like five grown-ups are just crying their eyes out. And to a T, it's almost, it's almost always connected to what is actually like a technical term, which is the father wound. The father wound. The wound that fathers can give to children um, where the protector and the provider is instead the one who is wounding. We need to be very aware of the saying that hurt people hurt people. Now, thankfully, there's restoration. Thankfully, our God is in the business of changing us, restoring things that have been broken, rewriting our story. He can give us a new heart. He can teach us a new way to live. He can teach us a new way to deal with stress and to not pour that out on kids. His command is clear here. Look at verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, what does it mean to provoke our children um, Andrew Lincoln, who has studied this passage at length, uh, has said to provoke, forbids fathers from excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation, and all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. This can be emotional, this can be cutting them off, this could be demanding the impossible. This could be belittling of children. We are not to provoke children to anger. We're not to do that, then we are to do something. So what are we supposed to do? We're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Okay, so this doesn't mean necessarily like we're just coddling, right? Like, I mean, this is, we can be a man's man and where we put that energy, that passion, that strength is bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here's what kind of took my breath away thinking about this. I need to be walking in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. How can I lead my kids in something I'm not doing? How can I lead my kids in what I'm not finding profitable? How can I lead my kids in not the passions that I'm supposed to be impassioned with that I pass on to them, which is leading them in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? Because I know and you know that way more is caught from our kids than is taught to our, to our kids. And for them to catch us walking in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord to bring them up into it. So this is a passage that is super challenging 
to kids because they are being commanded to obey their parents, and then it's super challenging to the fathers, as the last passage was, which should just make every guy in here just on his face in front of God saying, you want me to lead my wife this way, and you want me to leave my kids, lead my kids this way? That's impossible. And he's like, thank you. You accurately see the situation. If you think you got it, you don't see it. If you know it's impossible, I think you're starting to understand what I want the guys of our community to step into. Hebrews 12:11 um, says, "For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it." Man. I had that on a three-by-five card in my back pocket for almost all of my years at UNI because I just, like, discipline was not my thing, and uh, I think this is an area I need to grow into a lot, even right now, uh, of recognizing that, yes, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later, as we walk with Him, later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Man, how great if that's characterizing the men of our community. Matthew eleven twenty eight, our Savior says to us, Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think our culture looks more like labor and heavy laden than rest. And the difference is coming to him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Instruction, discipline and instruction. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this is the invitation for mothers, for all women, for all guys, for fathers. Fathers intentionally stepping into this as we are called primarily in here to live this out in front of our kids and to call our kids into this, into getting instructed from Jesus, being disciplined by him for righteousness, for an easy and light burden. Doesn't mean mothers aren't involved in all this, uh, but I think what it does mean is fathers are being held responsible to take the lead. Because I think most guys are, and I think we even see this in Adam, our bent is towards passivity. And so it's not like we're better at this, but I think God is saying, I'm calling guys to be in the game here, to lead here, to lead in leading our kids into the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. So where do we go from here? Um, Man, would we be a church where we are very intentional to set the bar high for our children? Set the bar high for them. I mean, we're going, the well, oh, by the way, the well is canceled tonight. It's a good time for, to announce that. So please don't bring your kids and drop them off in front of the Collins Christian Church. They may freeze, so don't do that. Um, uh, so we're not having the well tonight, but um, we're, oh, I mentioned that because uh, uh, we're studying through the book of Daniel. And man, we see God do incredible things through a teenager, through Daniel, uh, we saw that through, through Mary. We see that through Joseph. We see that through so many, through the disciples. 
that, the, that Jesus doesn't like be like, oh, I'll wait till they're in their 30s or 40s, then they can really like be used by me. But for us to actually have the expectation that roughly 40 kids, 40, 50 kids are in this building right now and in our community, that we need the bar to be raised high for them because of what God can do in them and through them for their joy, for, their, for them to have a light burden, for them to be disciplined, and for us to be on board and in the game as that is happening. We should actually hear our children being lovingly yet clearly told to repent. I know it sounds weird, but like to go down and be like, you need to repent right now. You need to turn and you need to actually go towards the Lord right now and obey your parents because that's right and that's good and that's good for your soul and that will teach you how to obey God and the delight that will be found in that because his ways are best. Every one of us has parents. Some of our parents have passed away, but for all of us, for the bar to be high, for all of us to seek to obey and honor our parents as we are honoring our living God. Uh, so would we be a church where we're intentional to set that bar high as God has set the bar high? Second, would we be a church where we're living out, bringing our children up in the, dis- in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? True for kids' church, um, Madison has been like doing some reports and stuff, and you're supposed to have like a ratio of adults per kids. That's just like state, you know, like recommendations. And we're right now about twice that, twice like how many kids. So your kids are safe, <laughs> don't worry. Like, uh, but at the same time, for us to actually be able to bring the children up, to join hands with fathers, to join with mothers, and for this to be a place where we're really pouring into the kids of our community, uh, fathers pouring into the kids of our community who maybe are growing up without a father in the home. And here we have a place where we can bring them up and show a picture of bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'd love six to ten dudes in this room to be like, hey, I'm going to pour into the kids in here and bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord so that we can add a fourth classroom and have it so that we, we don't have like a kid this big and a kid this big in the same class as well. And then third, man, we shared the story about the prodigals. My heart is for us to all know that we're prodigals. We all have been children who didn't obey their parents. We all have children who don't obey their parents. All of us have brought great dishonor to our parents by things we've said, things we we should have said. All of us have also brought great dishonor to our God. To, to our Heavenly Father. And the amazing good news that we get to proclaim for a lifetime is that the story doesn't end there. That in the story of the prodigal son, we see the heart of a prodigal God. And the heart of a prodigal God is um, when that prodigal son just came crawling back, waiting to get what he deserved, waiting to just get a tongue-lashing, waiting to, to hear the stories of what liquidating assets meant for the pain of his life. The embarrassment of people asking if they've seen your son and all of those things. 
and for the son to have rehearsed what he's going to say to his dad. And instead, his dad won't even let him talk. His dad instead throws his arms around him. His dad has been waiting for him to come back. And his dad throws a costly party. Even that the older brother is even upset at what is lavished on this younger son who doesn't deserve any of it. He gets what he doesn't deserve. And that is our God. He gives us what we don't deserve. Because Jesus takes what we deserve. What we deserve is separation from him. We have dishonored him with our lives. And instead, what we get is forgiveness, kindness. The prodigal son is brought back into the family as a full heir. And we are brought back into God's family as a full heir. Jesus told us a story to know of God's heart. He waits for us to return. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. Forgiveness kindness, being brought back into his family, coming to him, being forever saved from the consequences of our sins. It's through putting our lives into his hands, our good, good father. So some of us, if the worship team wants to come up uh, as we uh, get ready to step into uh, where we're going from here, but uh, some of you, man, to know the discipline and instruction of the Lord, to actually know that um, we get what we don't deserve, that our sin has separated us from God, but He is a good, good Father. So, some of you, you need to come to Jesus for the first time, trusting in Him as your Savior, obeying His commands. A beautiful command is, come to me. Come to me, come to me, all who thirst are heavy laden, you'll find rest for your souls. His commandments are not burdensome, he's good, we can trust our lives into his hands. Some of you need to come to Jesus for salvation for the first time. Others gave their lives to Jesus a while ago, but we are due to repent. We are due to recognize that we have not kept the way that he has taught us to flourish. We've not been obeying our parents. Maybe you're a student in here and you have not been obeying your parents. And you need to repent. You need to tell God that you need His power. That you you need His forgiveness and you need His power to allow you to live out what He's calling you to do. You've not been walking in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You've not been leading your kids into any of what the Lord calls you to walk in. So the response for all of us is not to cower in a corner and to have shame for how we're acting or how we have been acting. God says whenever we are approaching Him, whenever we're, we're walking in His ways, there's no condemnation, there's no shame. Shame makes you hide in a corner. We can have sorrow, though. Sorrow makes us wish it was different. Sorrow makes us sad for things that we've seen in our past. But sorrow, prayerfully looking to God, can mean change, repentance, growth, His power, not our power, as we seek to live this out. So the step for all of us should be towards our God, not away from Him. Towards Him, for our salvation, towards him for the power to live out what he commands us to do for the flourishing of our family, 
of our community. Um, he gave us this. He gave us communion to commune with him. We didn't make up a fancy word for it. Communion is to commune with him, to commune with our God. And so we have bread that represents his body, lived perfectly for us. And so we'll just hold, just how we do this, is we'll hold the bread and just come and tear off some of the bread, hold on to it. And then we have wine or juice, and we ran out of the fancy cups, so we've got some backups that we'll bring in too. Um, but uh, the wine, the juice, the wine is dark color, juice is light color. Obey your conscience in this. This represents his blood shed for us, washing us from the inside out. This is his idea to commune with him. If you are not a follower of Jesus, you are eating Panera bread and drinking either juice or wine. That's the significance. So I would encourage you, instead of taking this, take Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. The warnings in Scripture are for people who are following Jesus and who take communion without repenting who take communion without first repenting of our sins. Like, he tells us, don't ever take this lightly if you are a follower of me. We should tremble in joy and tremble in the fear of God when we commune with him because how he is pursuing us and, uh, and we need to not close ourselves off and what's going on in our lives when we commune with him. But instead, let's come to him confessing our sins Let's come and take of the elements together. So let's come, let's respond. The way we'll do it, we'll hold on to it, go back to our seats, and then we'll all take it as family together.